I'm excited about our speaker this week. His name is Mike Sirasone. Did I say it right? We'll find out in just a minute. Uh, he comes from an amazing place not far from here called Fresno, California. And he's a pastor at the Well Community down there. And uh, he's been a youth pastor for a bunch of years as well. So he loves high schoolers. He loves Jesus. And he loves God's word. And so let's give him a big warm heart, Heartland welcome because it's his first time here. Give it up for Mike as he comes to share. What's up, guys? Hi. You guys are so friendly. I love it. Where, where are my Fresno people at? All right. It's so good to be around friends. If you don't live in Fresno, you should. Tell your parents. Um, so... I was standing in the back listening to you guys worship. Give it up for the band one more time. All I could think is God's going to do big things this week. That's all I could think. Is as you guys are singing from the, the, the depths of your lungs, and it, it, I, all I could think is God's going to do huge things. And I'm so excited to be a part of whatever he chooses to do this week. And so, uh, like Brian said, my name is Mike. I, I pastor uh, at a church called The Well in Fresno. And uh, uh, all right. Yeah, every time I say Fresno, you guys are just going to cheer. So that's great. Um, I, uh, I am married uh, almost 14 years to my bride, Kristen. She is, yeah, you can clap for her. This is going to be the easiest week of preaching I've ever done if you just keep clapping for me. So uh, we've been married almost 14 years. We have uh, four beautiful daughters. Uh, Brooklyn is 12. Uh, I got to get this right. Uh, Kenzie is eight. Sadie is seven. And Ashton is four. And she was a surprise. So we love her anyway. Um, so <laughs> here's my hope for you. Here's my hope for you this week. My hope for you this week is that you lean into what God's already started in your life. My hope for you this week is that you, you get a chance to, to fall in love with Jesus all over again. And so we're going to walk through God's word. I'm really excited about the theme. I'm really excited to be here with you and looking forward to seeing what God does. Uh, I want you guys to do me a favor. I, I, maybe not all at once, but give me a few of your favorite movies. Minions? Star Wars? I never... I never understood Star Wars, I got to tell you. You might hate me. I don't get it. Uh, what else? Okay, now you're all just like, bleh. I don't. Moneyball? Who said Moneyball? I love that. I played, I played college baseball, Abilene Christian. Love that movie. Moneyball's great. Okay, you guys said some pretty great, pretty great uh, movies. I was worried you were going to say some movies. I have to tell you that they're awful, and I would break your heart. But I didn't have to do that. So I love, Star Wars, yeah, you're right. Sorry if I broke your heart about Star Wars. I don't love Star Wars. I, I still watch them, but I don't get them. All right, so I do love Marvel movies. Anybody love Marvel movies? There you go. All right, so I love Marvel movies, except I don't love the new Doctor Strange. It was terrible. Horrible. They need to remake it. I'm not going to spoil it. It's just terrible, so enjoy. All right, so I, I w the other day I was sitting on my couch watching Spider-Man, Far From Home. It's a good movie. And my daughter, the eight-year-old, Kenzie, she comes. She's, she's my daddy's girl. All the other three, I think they hate me at times, but she loves me. 
and she will come and just sit with me and watch movies. The problem is I was halfway through the movie, and she's never seen it. Have you ever picked up a movie where you're halfway through the movie, and then you're like, I don't know what is going on in this movie? Well, that's Kenzie. So she's sitting there, and you know what happens? She just starts asking question after question. It's so annoying. I almost wanted to just start it over, just so she would stop asking questions. But, but anytime we come in in the middle of a movie, we always, we always have questions that are left. And so today, I want to start at the beginning. I want to start at the beginning, and, and I want to I set the scene for what the rest of our week will hold. So if, you're, if you have your Bibles, I hope you do, open up to Genesis 1. If you're not sure where that is, the, uh, the table of contents is your friend. We'll use that all week. Uh, we're going to start in Genesis 1. And just so you know uh, where we're going, we're also going to be in Ezekiel 28. So if you want to put a finger in Ezekiel 28, we will get there eventually. So as we open up Genesis 1-1, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I live my life like this is true? Do I live my life like what we're going to talk about today actually is true? Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. It's right there. It's, it's the only way the Bible could start. It's not in the beginning, science. It's not in the beginning, anything else. It's in the beginning, God, because God is the only being that is eternal. He's the only being that has always been, that didn't need a beginning. He's he's this incredible God who, who inspires awe in the people who know him. He's not he's not the same as Allah. He's not the same as idols. He's not. He is the one true God, the God of the Bible. In the beginning, God. The Bible tells us also that he's, uh, not only is he God, but he's three in one. Matthew 28, 19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. We also see this in the creation narrative. If I were to read on, you'd see that that present in the, the creation narrative is God the Father, Jesus, the agent of creation, John 1.1 tells us that, and and what's called the Ruah. It's the spirit of the Lord that was hovering over the surface of the waters. So who is this God? Well, this is not a complete list, but he's holy and perfect. 1 Samuel 2.2 says, there's no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. He's holy. He's perfect. He's the standard. He's everything. He's also all-powerful. Jeremiah 32, 17 tells us, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. 1 John 3.20 says, in whatever, in whatever our heart condemns us, for God is greater than our heart and knows all things. God knows all things. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're feeling. He knows what you've done. 
He's also omnipresent. That means he's everywhere always. Proverbs 15.3 says that the eyes of the Lord are in every place, watching the evil and the good. He's relational and he's loving. 1 John 4.8 says the one who does not love does not know God, which means it's possible to know God, to, to be in relationship with him. And then it says, for God is love. And finally, he, he's patient, but he's also just. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are those who long for him. Guys, this is, a, this is just a, a small list of who God is. And my hope is as I went down that list that you started to, to feel the awe of what I was saying all-power, all-powerful, omnipresent, all-knowing. This God is everywhere always. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your head. There's nothing he can't do. And this is the God we worship tonight. So in the beginning, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Another thing that you need to know is that God is creative. God is creative. He's he, he, he's this, this brilliant creator. He, he painted the skies. He, he's this incredible, incredible creator. And so he began to do what creators do. He began to create. And so he started with angels. And, and then there was this war that broke out in heaven, this war between angels. And, and it was led by an angel named Lucifer. And Lucifer is somebody you might know by some of his other names, Satan or the devil, and this Lucifer longed to be God. He longed to be God. He wanted, he wanted nothing else but to be God. He got so, so wrapped up in that that he ended up being kicked out of heaven. Let's, let's read about it. Ezekiel 28. Flip over to Ezekiel 28, starting in verse 12. So we've set the scene, God creator, this incredible, awe-inspiring God. And then he creates, and creation starts to go a little awry. Starting in 12, it says, You, Lucifer, have the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You are in Eden, the garden of God, every precious stone, your covering, sorry, the ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapis, lazuli, the turquoise, and the emerald, and the gold, the workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. On the day that you created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of the stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. And so here we get this picture of Lucifer, the, the genius creation of a genius God. Perhaps maybe he was the most beautiful of all of the angels. He, he had everything that he could have wanted. He was perfect. He was smart. He was beautiful. And he was powerful. 
He had everything. I'm sure as I started listing those things off, some of the people you came up the mountain with started popping into your mind. But, but he had everything. Everything he could have wanted. He had it made. He was the, the ladies' man of heaven, if that even existed. He, he was second only to God, but there was one problem. He wasn't satisfied. In Isaiah, we find out that he wanted to be God, and so he rebelled. Check out what, what the prophet Ezekiel says about the, the rebellion of Satan. This is in, in verse 16. By the abundance of your trade, you were internally filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God. See you later, Satan. You're out of here. And I have destroyed you, O covering cherub. From the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings that they may see you. By the multitude of your iniquities and the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I've brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you, and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. A lot of times we think about the first sin ever committed. We think of Adam and Eve in the garden. That's where it started for humanity, but the first sin happened before that. The first sin was Satan, and it, it was pride, and it was him wanting to be God. See, he had everything he ever wanted except for one thing. He wasn't God. And it's so easy for us to read that. It's so easy for us to, to read that and go, how dumb is Satan? He had everything. Everything he could have ever wanted, except for he wasn't God. It's so easy for us to think that. But, but let me ask you, do you ever feel discontent? Do you, do, you ever, do you ever feel unsatisfied with life? Do you ever wish you had more control than you actually have? See, we're not so, we're not so different. We're not so different when it comes to, to the desire that's inside all of us to be more than we are. And misery loves company. See, God casts Satan out, and, and Satan starts to, to hatch this plan. This plan to, to take anyone with him that he can. He, he takes legions of angels with him. They're, they're called demons, and, and they're... they're, they're, they're all around this world, they're just serving Satan. He takes them with him. And he longs, he longs to take us with him as well. See, this is what Jesus tells about, uh, us about Satan's purpose. Ready? John 10.10. 10. The thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. Let me read that again. The thief comes to only steal and kill and destroy. See, the, the context of this, this verse is he's talking about sheep. Jesus is talking about sheep. And in another place, he calls, he calls Satan a, 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 roaring, a prowling, <laughs> prowling around like a roaring lion. And, 
this idea is that, that he just wants to, to steal and kill and destroy at all costs, no matter what it costs him. He exists to steal souls and to add to the number of people who will spend eternity apart from God. That's what he is about. Here's what he uses, false teachers. Media and culture. Social media. And he may even use your family and your friends. Nothing is off limits when it comes to Satan. And his goal, he wants to steal your joy. He wants to give you depression. He wants to, he wants to come into your life and he wants to take the things that give you joy and turn them into depression. He wants you to feel hopeless. That's his goal. He wants to steal your love for others. And he wants to, to give you hate. And it can be over stupid things, things that don't matter. It could be over that girlfriend or that boyfriend that broke up with you. It could be, it could be over politics. I'm, I'm sure you're experiencing that. It could be over all these stupid things, but he just wants to take your love for others. And he'll use whatever he can to take that away from you and give you hate. He wants to steal your confidence, and he wants to give you insecurities. He wants you to doubt. He wants you to doubt God, how God created you, whether God messed up, whether he made a mistake. And he wants you to start feeling insecure about who God made you to be. He wants your identity. He doesn't want, he doesn't want your identity to, put in, to be put in, in Jesus. He wants, he wants your identity to, put in, to be put in whatever he says your identity is put in. He came to steal your kingdom impact and give you apathy. See, he wants nothing less than to make you ineffective for the gospel. He wants to, he wants to turn you into someone who doesn't do anything to advance the kingdom of God. He wants you to, to be someone who distracts people away from God because if he can't have your soul, if you already gave it to Jesus, he just wants to keep you from, from sharing, sharing Jesus and your faith with somebody else. And here's what's crazy. All too often, we grow up living our lives like Satan's not even real. See, Satan only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But we look at the things that are associated with Satan, like sin in our lives, and, and we start to think, maybe that's fun. We start to think, maybe that's good. And yet, Jesus tells us that Satan only comes for one reason. And so Jesus is preparing us for the battle against Satan, the, the spiritual battle, the, the war that's raging on all around us. And he says that the, the, method, the method that Satan uses, the method that he uses is telling lies. John 8, 44, you are of your father, the devil. And you want to do desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature. For he is a liar 
and the father of lies. I wonder if you've ever heard these things in your head. You aren't good enough. Nobody likes you. This world would be better off without you. God could never forgive you for that. The Bible isn't even true. And the the amazing thing is, is Satan doesn't usually scream these things at us. He doesn't usually yell them at us. He doesn't, he doesn't really uh, try, to, try to get our attention. He doesn't wave his arms with all of these, these lies that he puts in our heads. He just whispers. In the stillness of our heart, he just implants these lies. We start to believe him. We start to believe that, that Satan what he's putting into our lives, what our our hearts and our heads, that it's actually true. I'm sure that you could come up with a list of other things, other lies that Satan's put in your head. But here's the truth. Jesus came so that you could have life and life abundant. That's his purpose. So so Satan is the father of lies. He came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came so that you could have life and life abundant. That's what he wants for your life. And Satan came to get in the way of that. He doesn't want you to have eternal life. And if you already do, he doesn't want you to pass it on to other people. He doesn't want you to have the peace and the hope that Jesus wants for your life. So he tells lies. And he's not going to stop because we believe him. Because it works. And so we have to be on guard. We have to guard our hearts and our minds. We have to ask questions, is that true? Does the Bible say that that's true of me? Because Satan and his demons are at work right now in this world. So God creates spiritual beings, and then he goes on this like creation rampage. Like he just he's just creating one thing after another in our world. And, and it says uh, in, in Genesis 1, 1 through 3, it says, In the beginning God, we covered that already, created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God created out of nothing. It's not like the world existed and he just kind of threw some seeds on it. He simply spoke the world into existence. This is the God that we serve. That that on day one, he says, let there be light. And then he says, there is light, and then, then he says, that's good. Day two, he says, he says let, let there, let's make atmosphere. Let, let's, let's make the atmospheres for, for, for where we're going. Let's, let's, let's make all this firmament, this atmosphere that, that we need to make. And then he says, that's good. Day three, he says, let's make dry ground. And let's put some plants on that dry ground. And he says, that's good. Day four. The sun, the moon, and the stars. He, he, just, he just speaks them into existence, and he says, that's good. Day five, we've got some animals. We've got the birds and the sea creatures. And he looks, and he says, that's good. And then day six, a special day of creation. See, God, first he, he starts, he creates the land animals, but then... Then he creates something that is the crown jewel of his creation. 
He creates something that is the most important thing to him. He creates something that means everything to him in the whole world. He creates you and he creates me. He creates humans. And this time he doesn't say that's good. He says that's very good. And the difference is that you and I, we're created in the image of God. I want you to think about that for a second. Have you ever been outside on a starry night? And you look up and you just go, oh my gosh, look at those stars. Like, they're so bright, they're so amazing. Or, or like this blood moon that comes out and you're like, God, how did you create that? And you, and you fall in love with things like, like the, the stars and the moon and you look at it and you're like, that's just, the, that's the most beautiful thing in the world. How about sunsets? Anybody love sunsets? Okay, so you, you're driving down the road and you look up and God paints this beautiful sunset. It's not, it's not, it's not just orange, it's got kind of some pink in it and, and some red, and it's just this incredible thing. God says you're better than that. He says you're better than that. Whatever, the, whatever, whatever you think is the most beautiful thing in the world, you're better than that. You right now, where you are, how you look, how you feel, who your friends are, whatever you do in sports, you're better than that. And it's a beautiful picture of, of how God created us. Look at Genesis 2. Just, just flip forward one chapter. Genesis 2, starting in verse 7. This is my fa- maybe my favorite passage in all of the Old Testament. It says, Then the Lord God formed man out of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils and, and the breath of life. And man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. God created us out of dirt. He, he, he formed us out of mud. Like he built like a sandcastle in the form of a human, and he picks that up and he breathes into the nostrils. You know why this is my favorite? Is because this is such an intimate picture of who God is and how much he loves us. Everything else he spoke into existence. Everything else, there was distance. And yet here, in this passage, God scoops us up and he breathes life into our nostrils. He didn't just speak us into existence. He created intimacy. He created his crown jewel. And he says, let us make man in our image. It's not because of who we are. It's not that God looked at us and he's like, they're perfect. It's because of who God is. It's because we are made in his image. Every other thing doesn't doesn't stand up. Every other thing falls short, but humanity was was different. And so God has this deep and intimate connection. In the beginning, God, the God of creativity, created angels and one of them fell and his name is Satan. And he he is very real. And he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. This is a real setting for what our life looks like. I wanted to paint the background 
I wanted to give you the setting in which your life plays out here in 2022 at Heartland Christian Camps. This is the world. And we don't see it. It doesn't mean it's there. It doesn't mean it's not there. I mean, we, we may not see it, but all around us is this spiritual war. God, someone greater than us. It's pretty easy to see that you and I didn't create ourselves. It's pretty easy to see that there's a creator somewhere, that his name is God, that that this God is perfect and powerful and relational and just, and he longs for an intimate connection with you. The backdrop includes Satan, the example of what not to do and who not to be. An angel who had it all, but still wanted something more. And so he rebels against God, he gets kicked out of heaven, and he longs to disrupt God's plan. And then creation, everything around us, the trees, the animals, stars and the moon, all put there by God. And then there's us, God's most precious creation. And you guys, the the plan was, the Bible says that he put us in the Garden of Eden. The plan was for us to live out our lives, our existence with God. But Satan is the father of lies, and he had plans to steal and kill and destroy. And if we ignore this, we ignore this Christian, and we're at a huge disadvantage. And so as you dive into your time, I want you to just keep asking that question. Do I live like this is true? Do I live like Satan's real? Do I guard my heart and my mind? Do I just live my life? My hope is that today we we set the stage for the rest of the story of God, the narrative that that he he wrote for us. Will you pray with me? Father, I believe that you're going to do big things here. Lord, I, I just pray for these students as they wrestle with this backdrop of of life, the swirling winds of of evil, of of Satan. And I just, I pray that you would remind them the importance of of being on guard. God, do a work in their lives this week. Remind them who you are and who they are to you. Jesus' name. Amen.